and welcome to Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, a podcast about the work of comedy writer, performer, director, and all-round genius, Julia Davis. I'm Sophie Davis, no relation, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to talk about a different show created by Julia Davis. This episode is about Hunderby, and my guest is Olivia Phipps, who works in TV production and has worked on comedy shows including Detectorists and Inside Number Nine. What was your introduction to Julia Davis? Um, do you know what? I actually remember when, I think when Nighty Night came out on BBC Three, when they put it away, they stashed it away <laughs> deep Late in the, night, yeah, 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 so you couldn't quite um you sort of had to be a fan of that kind of stuff yeah like a cult was, thing, yeah. yeah exactly and at the time I would have been about I mean I was probably only about 13 or something mm-hmm. and I saw bits of it because I used to watch a lot of BBC3 stuff I was yeah, into same. Boosh and, yeah same <laughs> yeah even things like we forget that things like that are really big now like Little Britain yeah and Gavin and Stacey yeah was they on. were hidden away mm-hmm. on BBC3 for ages and then found their audience and yeah so I watched quite a lot of BBC Three at that time because I think that was quite a golden age of BBC Three. Yeah, definitely before it went online. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, there's still good stuff now, yeah. but yeah, back then it felt like they were being quite experimental. Yeah, absolutely. It was quite exciting to watch that late at night, and I remember seeing this thing called Nighty Night mm-hmm. on like on the TV guide all the time, and I was thinking, "What is this?" And, <laughs> and I watched it, and actually at that age, I don't think I fully got it. Yeah, I had exactly the same Did thing. You? Yeah. Okay, that makes me sense. I think I was better. about maybe 15 or something. Mm. I think I came to it because I got really into the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this was like long after it was actually on TV. I, I think I saw some repeats on Dave and then I bought the DVD box set. Um, and then I kind of came to Nighty Night because I saw that Mark Gatiss was in it and I, I heard that it was quite a similar like grotesque sort of dark comedy and yeah similar to you I think the first time I watched it you know I didn't dislike it or anything but I think a lot of it was quite adult for me and it was a bit a bit overwhelming but then revisiting it a few years later I was like oh okay this is really good actually yeah absolutely I I agree with the League of Gentlemen thing I think I did exactly the same thing of going (laughs) Mark Gatiss is in that yeah I should probably watch that looking very weird (laughs) with a massive wig and teeth and stuff so weird (laughs) yeah should have expected it from from them really Yeah, yeah exactly yeah so it took me a little while to sort of she was always a name in my head, but mm-hmm. it took me, I didn't latch onto it as much as I did things like the League of Gentlemen or, yeah. or the Boosh. And there was a little link with the Boosh as well, because she's married to Julian Barrett as well. So that was kind of something that I'd heard too, I think, at the time. Yeah, same. And it's strange how those things would even go, oh, well, that's someone mm-hmm. I trust in comedy. If yeah. they're married to them, then they must be amazing, which yeah. is such a stupid <laughs> patriarchy type thing. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think I grew up seeing more men in comedy than I did in women yeah, as definitely. you know as was just because there's more of it on telly mm-hmm. but I think also I grew up in quite a normal like middle class background where yeah, you sort sure. of went to men for those things you didn't go to women for mm, those things yeah like Vic and Bob and yeah, those exactly. sorts of weird things the boosh a lot of like pairings of two men yeah, yeah exactly so like I wasn't ever I didn't until I was a bit older I didn't get that thing of going like I want to find women who do this mm-hmm. Because I'll just be, you know, probably the first woman that I went, oh, you can be silly and it's really great, was um, Jessica Hines. Yeah, which is, sure, As Stephen yeah. said then. But yeah, 
Um, it's so stupid now, but obviously at the time I was. Yeah, I had the I same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember like thinking back to all the shows I watched when I was really young were like Red Dwarf and Blackadder, and I still really love those shows. But you know, it was just all male, really. Yeah. And then yeah, Julia Davis was a big thing. Victoria Wood. Um, I think around similar time to 99, I think Sharon Horgan did Pulling. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know the exact year that was on, but that must have felt like a big deal at the time. The fact that there was two women on BBC Three with these quite crazy dark shows. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I love I loved her eventually. Mm-hmm. I sort of I think it, I took it took me a little while to get to grow into it. And as soon as I did, I went, "Why have I?" not been watching this this whole time it's amazing exactly yeah I only watched Human Remains just a few months ago and I can't believe I've never seen that before because I I really loved that gosh (laughs) yeah that was Rob Brydon yeah yeah exactly yeah that was a long time ago that I must have seen that for the first time yeah it came out in the year 2000 so it's nearly 20 years old that one now (laughs) how it still feels like things from 2000, you know, black books and space and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That feels like, oh, you know, it was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 20 years ago. Yeah, it Gosh. was like a sort of golden age, wasn't it? Yeah, it, we were, very, you know, very lucky. A little bit about Hunderby before we get into it properly. So on this episode, we're just talking about the series that aired in 2012. The two specials that aired in 2015, I'll cover on a different episode. Apparently, Julia Davis had the idea for Hunderby because she saw a lot of potential for comedy in period dramas because obviously they're they're quite ridiculous and over the top. Um, And apparently she had the idea back when she was doing Nighty Night. So it was something that was kind of brewing in her mind for a while. And she's actually said that she kind of wanted to do Hunderby instead of a second series of Nighty Night. So yeah, even back then she was something she was really keen to do. Obviously it was her first show on Sky Atlantic. Apparently she did take it to the the BBC and I don't know if there were any other channels as well, but the BBC said no. (laughs) I guess money was probably a factor, I'm guessing, because it it's quite, you know, lavish. It's, you know, got this historical setting, doesn't it? So a lot of it takes place in this big mansion house. I can kind of see where the BBC might have been coming from, might have been a bit wary. Well, and just from a really boring kind of my point of view of You're having worked inside, in telly. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> that makes it sound really like MI5. <laughs> but but from, from my point of view and from what I've learned from working in TV is that like the way things get commissioned, it is so right place, right time. Oh, right, like, yeah, look. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's very easy to look back and go like, why the hell mm. didn't you commission that at the time? Yeah, and you know, there's there's so many mistakes like that along mm. the way where you go, what well, you weren't thinking, and it's mm. like, well, obviously at the time, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but there's always some kind of reason like they just weren't looking for something like mm-hmm. that at the time. They were looking. You know, they might have had other people at the same time that were also making other shows that we love. Yeah, and money. It's always a money thing. Yeah, I just think it looks quite expensive for a comedy, you know, because I know comedy gets less money, doesn't it, than drama and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) oh God, don't get me started on that. Seriously, you you work on things like Detectress and Inside Mm. Number Nine, which are known for how beautiful they are, really. Mm -hmm. They're essentially a drama, like they're drama quality shot, Mm -hmm. but shot for you know, a tenth of the budget, which mm. is amazing. Like the people who work on comedy, I think, are so clever what they can do. And I think Hunderby was another one of those where I think the locations they chose were very clever because I think mm. they, it makes it look 
beautiful. I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to know what their budget was on yeah, that. But yeah, sure. sorry, in a really boring way. No, but, no, yeah. no, <laughs> but um, but they made it look really, really beautiful. And there's a lot of animals in it. I noticed as yeah, well. And yeah. They're quite expensive a lot of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You just get like specialists in, don't you? Yeah. 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 I think like you were saying before about kind of look and right place, right time. She um. She said at one point, I think the person who commissioned it at Sky was someone who was at the BBC when she did Nighty Night. So it was kind of to do with, it was, I think it was Lucy Lumsden. Oh yeah. So it was someone that, that kind of helped, I guess, as well. She went to Sky and she already knew her. So I guess she trusted Julia Davis to do something Absolutely, good. Yeah, there's always that kind of. And Sky kind of used to do quite a lot of quite interesting comedy. I think that, uh, they went through a period around that time where, I think maybe Yonderland was a similar time mm. and they, it was quite sort of experimental. Yeah, I think Sky Atlantic did some stuff. Oh, and This Is Ginzy, I remember. Oh, yeah, that as well. was weird, wasn't it? They seem to do less weird comedy now. They're more like more in the real world. Yeah, they had a bit of a BBC Three moment really then, mm, which yeah. is great for people like us who yeah. are comedy nerds, but mm. yeah. And uh, yeah, also worth mentioning, she co-wrote a lot of Underbeat with Barunka O'Shaughnessy, who has worked on shows like Time Wasters and Up the Women. So she seems to quite like comedies that have some sort of historical element to them, unless it's just a coincidence. That's true, actually. Yeah, Yeah. Because I know, I only knew of her first because she's in The Mighty Boosh. Yes, so did I. And I went, oh, it's her. (laughs) I wasn't, I didn't write that in my notes because I thought it would be too like obscure, but you know her from the same (laughs) thing. She's like a checkout person, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And uh, Julia Davis has said that she feels like Barunka is a lot more skilled with things like plot and cliffhangers than she is. So whereas she was just thinking about the jokes, Barunka was doing that as well, but also thinking more like, right, what's happening in this episode? What can the cliffhanger be? It was also directed by Tony Dow, who has directed a lot of comedy. Oh, I know, actually. Do you know him? He directed Nighty Night Series 1, which I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, yeah, massive IMDb page, mainly comedy, really. Yeah, he did Only Fools and Horses and things yeah, like that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then at the time, it did very well at the 2012 British Comedy Awards. Do you remember when they used to be on TV? Yeah. And then uh, I remember Johnny watching... Vegas had a mad, <laughs> which was brilliant. And it was amazing. But they went, oh, we can't do this live anymore. Yeah, it's just online now. I remember watching this at the time. And yeah, Hunderby won Best New Comedy. And it also won Best Sitcom Overall, which I think I remember people were quite surprised by that because it seemed to come out of nowhere. And it was against Rev the thick of it and 2012 mm. yeah I remember watching it at the time and I hadn't heard of Hunter because I didn't have Sky at that time same I didn't and have Sky either. I was like what's this show I've never heard of this before it's winning everything it also got a BAFTA craft award for comedy writing and then Julia Davis was nominated for a BAFTA for best female comedy performance did you like me you didn't watch it when it was actually on originally you came to it a bit later yeah I came to it later because again I like you I didn't have Sky yeah. And I did miss out on a lot of comedy because mm-hmm. of that. And I'm actually catching up on a lot of it yeah. now because a lot of it's on things like Now TV. That's now. what I've got now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I got Now TV like after uni. So I think I must have watched Hunt being like, 2014 probably so just like two or three years after it was on oh that's not too bad then yeah Yeah. but yeah I got now TV and I immediately watched like that and various other sky things that I just missed out on yeah you see a lot of these things advertised or you hear people there's a buzz about it people talking about it and Mm -hmm. then you you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can't really I can't really pay for sky just for that like especially if Mm -hmm. like you know I was living at home 
I can't just be like, so mum and dad, can you, yeah. can you get Sky just so I can watch this Julia Davis thing? Yeah, just this one program. Yeah, I mean, like I wouldn't be against that, but I don't know if they would be. Yeah, because some people like grew up with Sky, so they can't mm. really imagine not having it. But yeah, my parents never had any interest in having Sky. No, same, so, we never had that. Yeah, I've um, got now TV now. I think when we got it originally, it was to watch Game of Thrones. Mm. And then, yeah, same. Uh, and, and then, and then I realised that, oh, there's loads of comedy on here that I've missed over the years. Yeah. Yeah. They've got good. loads of, um, yeah, loads of really great stuff. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good things. But God, I was, this is an advert for Now TV now. <laughs> this is now TV. Sponsor, sponsored <laughs> by Now sponsor TV. Us, that would be really great. Um, <laughs> So um, when we were talking about you doing the podcast, uh, obviously you had a few different shows to choose from. Why did you like Hunderby in particular? I loved Hunderby because, well, I came across it because I was doing some stuff with the British Comedy Guide and they needed some reviews of things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they sent me was Hunderby. And I'd heard, I think it might have just won the BAFTA and things like Mm -hmm. that. So I was thinking, I really need to watch this. Sat down and watched it all in one go. And... I think I love it personally because from I, I did an English degree, I did mm-hmm. an English and philosophy degree, and it's kind of like you know that kind of yeah, I English really literature that era. coming into it. Yeah, yeah, I really loved that era. I love books like Jane Eyre and Rebecca and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, and to just watch something which was taking all that stuff that I loved and mm-hmm. then just like not taking the piss out of it, absolutely not. But it's like, it's it's just really infusing it with something really crazy. And yeah, I loved yeah. that. I thought that was just, there's not that many comedies that I like from that kind of personal mm-hmm. point of view of, wow, that's mm-hmm. that's something that you feel like you might have thought about while you were in one of those lectures about it or something. I don't know. Yeah, because they, they, like you were saying, it's not really like a kind of, like a parody of the period drama. They're playing it quite straight, mm. really, like the performances. It's as if they're performing in an actual period drama. They're very committed and like the, the romance between... Helen and Dr. Fogarty, it is genuinely quite romantic. Like there's obviously some ridiculous things in there. Oh my gosh. No, that you gets do me get hot under the collar. Yeah, you Absolutely. get invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Rufus so, Jones. Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but yeah. No, you don't have to, but you know. Well, what, yeah, while we're talking about that, we'll talk about the cast a little bit. When I saw Rufus Jones in this, I originally, I thought that I didn't know him from anything else. I thought, who's this? And then I looked him up and I was amazed because I'd seen him in loads of things, but never realised it was the same person. Yeah. Like at the time, I think when I watched Hunderby, I think W1A was on. And I was, it blew my mind that Dr. Fogarty was David from W1A because it's two completely different people. And then I'd also seen him in Holy Flying Circus, playing Terry Jones. And he was a voice in, did you used to watch Mongrels at all? Talking about the BBC Three experimental era. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd known him from all those things and I didn't realise that it was the same guy. And then obviously since this, he's worked with Julia Davis again in camping. um, And then recently he's done Home. Have you watched that at all? Well, I worked on the pilot of it. Actually. Oh, did you? <laughs> that oh, sounds cool. so up myself. I didn't mean it like that. I don't mean like, oh, I worked on all this stuff. But oh, that's cool. I know that was great. And the, the ser- I didn't get to work on the series, but the series is amazing. Yeah, it's good. I've, um, I've still got, I've got the last two episodes to watch. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's oh. been really good. It's really properly like moving as well. And Yeah, he's done, he's done that so well. He's got that mm. balance really right. Yeah, yeah. no, he's very he's good. He's great. He's very good. So that's him. And then, Alexandra Roach plays Helen. Uh, this is one of her quite early roles, really. And since 
she was quite unknown at the time. And then since then, she's been in lots of different things like No Offense, Utopia and Black Mirror. Then Alex McQueen plays Edmund. He's kind of got an, a knack for playing really sort of creepy men, isn't he? He's, he's <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've already talked about he's in Sally forever. And then the thick of it and the in-betweeners just so he kind of makes your skin crawl. Yeah. I'm sure he's lovely in real life, but uh, yeah, in his roles, he's often quite like that. And then obviously Julia Davis is in this as well. She plays Dorothy, the housekeeper, one of her many sort of unhinged women but I, I think she's a bit different from the others I mean well they're all different from each other but I think like Jill from Nighty Night and then Faye in Camping and Emma in Sally Forever are all quite sort of like like exhibitionists and yeah. wanting attention whereas Dorothy's a bit more repressed and I suppose that sort of fits with the time it's set in doesn't it absolutely yeah, yeah she's not going really over the top like some of the other Julia Davis characters but she's still very dangerous <laughs> so understated and that's what's great about her in this I think mm, yeah and then Rosie Cavaliero I've never said her name out loud before <laughs> plays Hester she's got a massive list of credits on IMDB she seems to do as much in everything yeah she yeah. does a lot of drama as well like sort of equal drama and comedy and then there's lots of other people in the cast who we'll probably get to as we go through the episodes now mm. so we were talking before about how it looks very, I was going to say expensive, but that's not the word we were talking about. It just sort of looks very nice. Like yeah. it's quite cinematic. Mm. Um, that's really in the first scene, isn't it? Like when they're on the beach and yeah. they've got the shipwreck. Yeah, you can see the the money on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like the start of a film almost. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, Castaway or something like that. You could, or I know parts of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So we've got this, uh, we've got a voiceover by Julian Barrett. It's 1831 and we're in Hundby. There's been a shipwreck and there's only two survivors. There's Jeff, who's played by Daniel Lawrence Taylor, who uh, is, Brilliant. yeah, he's in <laughs> Time Wasters. If anyone is listening who likes Hundby, you should watch Time Wasters because that's got a sort of historical thing going on it's very funny he's a slave and the other survivor is a woman who is presumed to be a missionary called Helen but obviously we later find out that that's not who she really is mm -hmm. Jeff carries her ashore and basically because he's black all of the townspeople are sort of charging towards him and he's trying to give her mouth to mouth and one of the, the townspeople says like he's trying to eat a dead girl it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. horrible he's trying to eat her yeah. <laughs> and then he sort of runs away sensibly. <laughs> then the doctor comes in, he starts giving her mouth to mouth and basically saves her life. Mm. But then just as she's waking up, the pastor swoops in. So she thinks that the pastor has saved her rather than Dr. Fogarty. And then it's kind of the only time we see Helen and Edmund like happy together, isn't it? Because they're kind of, yeah. he's like wooing her. That He's like sitting in a tree playing a lute or something at yeah. one point and she's quite enjoying herself. And yeah, and they're sort of dancing around on the beach. And yeah. He, and Alex McQueen does this amazing thing where he, because he doesn't get to show off his physical comedy that that much mm -hmm. really apart from in a, in a few little mm -hmm. golden moments but yeah there's this bit where he just jumps into the sea and like rolls around <laughs> in a mad sort of craze and yeah it's hilarious so good yeah sweet yeah it's nice you're right actually it's not like you don't see them that you don't see them that happy ever again yeah it's quite strange when you see what happens and then you go back to that and you're like why are they so happy yeah. this time yeah they're, yeah they're enjoying themselves a lot I've seen that happy at all later on yeah, yeah but pretty much just 
a few seconds later, he's proposed to her by this point and they're talking about their wedding day. Um, he's saying a lot of things to her that aren't very nice, like that she should cover up her mole on the wedding day and that she's going to be stoned to death if she isn't a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so creepy. Yeah, There's like quite a, a lot of that, which yeah. obviously is, yeah, it's meant to be of the time and things like that. But yeah, it's just it's pretty really... realistic of the time, yeah, probably. So yeah, and he also says that youth has all but spread his wings and fled you, even though she's clearly a lot younger than he is. She's like so young. Yeah. She and she's quite. Um, Not, she acts quite like a. She's so innocent and so much like yeah. a sort of schoolgirl who doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah, because she's kind of like the straight man, the straight woman. Uh, she does get some funny moments, obviously, but she's kind of surrounded by all these weirdos and she's the more sort of normal person i guess she's not from hunderby so yeah maybe hunderby's just full of freaks and she suddenly arrived there then we get to it's the the night before the wedding and she has got some sort of dark secret so she writes this letter like confessing everything because they're about to get married she pushes it under the door but it turns out that he doesn't see it because it goes under a, a rug or a bit of carpet or something. We come to the actual wedding day and there's nobody in the audience congregation because there's a hanging on at the same time <laughs> and they'd all, the they'd all prefer to go to that. <laughs> and then we move it on quite quick again to the uh, the wedding reception and there's like some ridiculous dancing going on like you were saying before about physical comedy yeah we introduced to some of the women in Hunderby who are quite annoyed that he's married this outsider he tells one of them that she looks a bit like Moses in his latter years (laughs) so he's clearly not interested in any of the women his own age or you know even Helen isn't like young enough to marry Fogarty is sort of watching on like stroking his horse in a sort of like like smouldering way, like looking yeah, at him. Yeah, he's sort of come on like a, on a on a really beautiful white horse, mm. like Mr. Darcy or something. Yeah. And yeah. I sent you that video, didn't I, of who Rufus Jones apparently based his yeah. performance on? It's Timothy Dalton and Jane Eyre in is seventies or eighties. I thought it was earlier than that, but it might be. Yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah there's, you can definitely see where it comes from, yeah. isn't it? Like a lot of like sort of gazing off into the distance yeah. and like they're having a conversation and he's just sort of looking out across the fields yeah. and yeah it's very sort of yeah Heathcliffy. yeah i encourage people to look that up on youtube because you can if you've seen hunderby you won't be able to watch it seriously <laughs> uh then we're introduced to hester or as she's often referred to as crippled hester again just sort of indicative of the times it's really so cool. it's isn't it when she first appears she sort of says oh uh, hi hi edmund and he goes oh i didn't see you down <laughs> yeah. there like because she's in a wheelchair and yeah. he's just and really ignorant yeah and, and she's got this horrible like primitive wheelchair as well yeah. isn't she like made out of wood or something yeah bless her she's like struggling down the road all the time <laughs> uh, and then we're also introduced to uh, brother joseph who's played by alexander armstrong and i think in in a show full of really creepy characters, I think he might be the creepiest one. Oh, really? Okay. Why Maybe. why the creepiest? Well, I guess he's I mean, a, he is creepy, but they're he all is creepy. a paedophile. I suppose. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I think not. not really maybe as well because it's weird 
for Alexander Armstrong. I know I know he used to do a sketch show where he played all sorts of different characters, mm. but now it feels like when you think of him, you mainly think of like pointless and all he, his serious stuff. Yeah, like, well, and, him being him. Yeah, and he does like albums of classical music yeah. and stuff. Now, and he's so, rela- isn't he related to? Is it like William? The, no, William the Conqueror or Alexander the Great or someone, someone like that? Like, like that. Yeah, someone, so someone crazy. It famous. seems weird because he's sort of like. Like Mr. Light Entertainment nowadays, and seeing yeah. him, maybe but he came from all this, you know, mm. yeah, sketch comedy of him being really silly, and mm-hmm. I, I quite like that we get to see him go back to doing a crazy Scottish accent. Yeah, and, and he's got these horrible teeth and like a bowl <laughs> yeah. cut. Apparently, uh, <laughs> Julia Davis has said before that when she was casting Hunderby, she actually told Alexander Armstrong that he could play Dr. Fogarty initially. Oh. Just as like, I don't know why she told him that, but then they had people come in auditioning for just general roles. And as soon as Rufus Jones started doing what he does, she was like, oh, okay, that's Dr. Fogarty. To get that guy in. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that was awkward or not, but he, he was obviously happy to play this other part which is obviously very different from if he'd played Dr. Fogarty and we also we get the first case of um uh, how's Ruth not well not well <laughs> which comes up a lot it's every time we appears isn't it mm. how's yeah. Ruth we never get not to well. see Ruth yeah I quite like it in a comedy where you have a character who's off screen just the whole time and you refer like in Frasier uh Maris gets talked about all the time, but you never actually see yeah. them. So you can just say ridiculous things about them. Like, me, like Mannerin's wife, you never see her. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I like that. And then he also he gives Edmund a wedding gift, which is Bird Raymond. And I love how kind of physical comedy again when Alex McQueen takes he says like oh no I don't need a present there is no greater gift than the love of the Lord and then he just snatches it and starts like tearing off the wrapping paper <laughs> then so the wedding's over now we go back to the house uh, where we meet Dorothy for the first time and she well they're expecting uh, Edmund's mother to be there to greet them um, but she's ill apparently uh, Dorothy says she complained of vipers lashing her insides her bowel has still not spoken sir though I fancy I caught a whisper so it's basically She's a fart joke yeah in this sort of flowery language yeah. <laughs> and there's another one earlier I remember Edmund is talking about his previous wife uh, and says, uh, though our time was brief, I shall always relish that precious snatch. It just sort of <laughs> comes up a lot where it's something that could be innocent, but it's got a double meaning. Yeah, if you weren't listening properly. That's the thing about this show. Is if you weren't listening properly, you just think it was a period drama. Yeah. If you like walked in and someone else was... Yeah. <laughs> bizarre. So then we get well the first case of this running joke where people are talking about how amazing Edward, Edmund's previous wife was. Um, and that's kind of to do with Rebecca, isn't it? Like Mrs. Danvers trying to sort of sabotage the new wife. Yeah. I say this like I've read it, but I haven't. I just, I know about it. Uh, having um, seen Hunderby though, I think, because I, I read it before I saw Hunderby, but uh, I think right. it'd be interesting to watch Hunderby and then yeah. read it because I think you've probably noticed quite a lot of yeah I've seen a little bit of the film uh, it was on yeah, I've t- not seen the film uh, it was on TV one day when I was flicking through and I was like oh, okay I can see this is just Hunderby yeah. basically definitely yeah. the look of uh, Mrs Danvers and yeah. yeah you can definitely see it there well and some of the things that happen in it you're like you know quite cleverly just went <laughs> well I'm just going to take that straight out of there yeah, like why not? the yeah the wearing the dress bit mm. And she decides what she should wear. That that happens uh, right, in the actual okay. thing with a kind of setup to make her fail. Ah, uh, right. I see. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, if there's any more references to Rebecca, let me know because yeah, I don't well, okay. know. Okay, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, everyone's talking about Arabelle so much that Dorothy says to Helen, uh, perhaps Mistress Suffolk Finch would like to approve the menu. And mm. Helen just goes, but, but she's dead. <laughs> like, so good. And yeah, they just keep talking about Mistress Suffolk Finch and you don't really know which one they're talking about because... You know, Ar- both mistress of yeah, and Arabelle was apparently amazing. Dorothy starts showing her around the house, and we get the nice little exchange where she says, "Like, oh, this is Edmund's mother's room. Uh, oh, it looks lovely. Tis only a door." <laughs> just, <laughs> you're just saying, "Yeah, what a lovely room." Uh, I mean, this is just the door bit. Tis you're not going door. in. Yeah, uh, brilliant. And then we find out there's a, a mysterious locked room in the house where. Is this a reference to Jane Eyre or have I imagined Must be, that? the Bertha thing, yeah. Yeah. And, the, uh, the mad woman in the attic. Right, yeah. And uh, there's all these sort of like shrieking noises coming out of it and Dorothy just says, oh, tis likely owls, ma'am. They do defecate through their mouths. <laughs> yes, so creepy. <laughs> she um, says it with just absolute... <laughs> yeah. No, don't even bother yeah. asking about that. It's just some owls it's shitting clearly, through their faces. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly a person screaming. Yeah, it's horrible. The moans are just disgusting. Yeah. It's really I think creepy. It comes up again later. Some, I think Edmund asks her what the noises are, and she says something about, "Oh, it's foxes. They they dance when they're angry." Yeah, and I, and I think there's one in the last episode where she says it's moths making. <laughs> Making their dinner or something weird <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, no, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I really, I quite, I don't know what this says about me, but I quite enjoy it in a comedy where, for some reason, all of the characters are just really horrible to one character for no reason. Yeah. Like, I was thinking, like Howard Moon in the Mighty Boosh, everyone's just really nasty to him for yeah. no reason, and then it's similar with Helen in this, mm-hmm. like. Even though she's the only kind of sane one, everyone is just really nasty to her all the time. And we get this where it's the wedding night and she's uh, preparing herself in the bath and Edmund just walks in and he's sort of assessing her in a really creepy way and just says, what interesting breasts you have. Yeah, what interesting breasts you (laughs) have. And he also says that she's got a black and forceful brush in, com- yeah. in comparison to his previous wife. Uh, well, smooth as ham. Oh. <laughs> Such a creepy <laughs> phrase. Yeah. Smooth as ham. <laughs> and she starts getting a bit emotional about the fact that she never knew her mother. So she sort of goes to hug him and he just recoils and because she's wet and you probably wouldn't want to hug her anyway, even if she was dry. <laughs> and then he said, makes a comment again to her saying that, I did not know you were so weak. Arabelle was so strong. <laughs> so unfair, isn't it? It's heartbreaking watching it because you you can just feel her pain. Bless her. <laughs> Going, oh, mate, you should just slap him. <laughs> but obviously she wouldn't. She's far too virginal and yeah. naive for that. Bless her. And I guess then, because it's weird thinking, you know, she's washed up in Hunderby and because it's you know, the olden days, that means she now lives there. She mm. she can't like There's go nowhere back. else to go. And yeah. she just, I suppose she doesn't really know where she's from either. She's got a bit of um, amnesia going on yeah. to a certain extent. And then that scene ends with, <laughs> Dorothy will shave you. 
Lovely. <laughs> Can you imagine that? This woman that you've just met who's clearly an absolute cow and really hates you and doesn't want you to be there. She's yeah. going to shave you. <laughs> it's I like horrible. How I feel in a Julia Davis show as well, that could have easily like been a scene, but I think mm. the fact that we don't see that it makes it funnier, I yeah. think, that we just assume Thank God. it's yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, so then they're in the bedroom. Obviously things, things aren't going very well. Another Arabelle moment is that she's wearing this night dress and he just sort of brushes her hair aside and it's got a massive A on it because it belonged to her. Yeah. And uh, he says, um, she wore it when first I burst her. Oh, it's <laughs> horrible, isn't it? Traumatic. Uh, first and, I burst her. And he says, uh, come bride, it is a quarter after 10. We shall intercourse until 30 after. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then before that, he, he just sort of really matter-of-factly says... There may be a sharp searing pain throughout. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> and, really horrible. And then obviously he's not really doing anything. He's just sort of jumping around on top of her. And, yeah. You know, she tells him, "'Tis not in, but he doesn't really <laughs> seem to mind. Um, <laughs> and then I like how when in. they kind of, they just sort of give up and lie back. And as soon as they do that, Dorothy walks in. So I like the idea that she's just been waiting outside yeah. the door. She must have just been just listening in, you yeah. know. Shall I bring you your bubbly milk? Yeah. The yeah. I think there's the first mention of the bubbly milk. And then Helene ends up bringing it up and Dorothy creates this weird scenario where she throws the bubbly milk into her own eye and makes it seem like Helene has done it deliberately. And then obviously she's in an eye patch in the next episode, <laughs> even though we see there's nothing actually wrong with her eye. Mm. And then that first episode just ends with, well, Helene's sort of scrabbling around on the floor and she finds that the letter that she thought Edmund read, he hasn't read it at all because it's stuck under the rug in his room. So she tears it up and then it sort of ends with a shot of Dorothy behind her with quite sort of ominous music. Mm. Um, and that's the end of episode one. And she throws it out the window, doesn't she? Yeah, like snow or something. And yeah, it, yeah we've got the two servants who are Rebecca Staten and Ben Bishop. Mm. Um their main sort of characteristic is that they're just constantly like horny. Isn't yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that is kind of like how working class characters are in period dramas sometimes. Like yeah. I don't know, Titanic counts as period drama, doesn't it? Like the It's it's of a period. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Because yeah. I was thinking like the work all the working class characters that you've got them on the deck below. Yeah, having all the fun downstairs. Yeah, they're like yeah. really rowdy and sort of getting off with each other and then yeah. the, the people in above are all really repressed. And yeah. it kind of feels like that here. That's yeah, no, that's a good comparison. I'm gonna say actually, I'd I'd only just thought about it when you read it out loud, but the wearing Arabelle's nightdress with the A on it. I don't I don't know, this might be looking into it too much, but that might be from do you know the Scarlet Letter? I've heard of it. Yeah, but uh, there's a there's like a red letter A uh, in that. Right. That's like the theme throughout or something like uh, the letter okay. A. Yeah. Don't know if it's that, but it might be her yeah, having a bit of fun. Yeah, there's probably all sorts of references that I'm not getting in here. No, there'll be plenty <laughs> that I've missed. So in episode two, they have a dinner party and invite Brother Joseph round. And it ends with Dorothy making it look like Helen has uh, killed Bird Raymond. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have any sort of particular highlights from this episode, like favourite lines or moments? Yeah, episode two. So yeah, you were saying that Dorothy has her eye patch in mm -hmm. episode yeah. two, and she's um in, in the I think in the first scene she they're they're having breakfast or something mm -hmm. and 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 uh, 
Edmund says, what have you, what have you done? <laughs> she sort of just goes, oh, um, yeah, Mistress Helene just threw a load of hot milk at me because, you know, she doesn't give a shit. It was that, it was that kind of, yeah, yep, she did it because I did something wrong and she's, yeah, got this ridiculous eye patch on. And then when she walks out, she makes a real point of walking into yeah, some kind of random yeah. statue. And it, just the way she does it is so brilliant. It's so, um, it's not too much, you know, you could mm. easily just like properly fall over and go a bit mad with that. But yeah. She, yeah, she nails that. Yeah, and with the language as well, she she says that her eye has been uh, burnt to the stem, and she describes it as a, a cave of crumbs. And when Doctor Fogarty comes around, she says her eye is a crusty old socket. Yeah, never mind my crusty old socket. <laughs> and yeah, she's sort of lost her depth perception or just pretending to to be dramatic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And we hear more stuff as well about how brilliant Arabelle apparently was because um, yeah. they're preparing for this dinner party and they all have to sort of show off some sort of talent that they've got and Helen, bless her, can't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. she, and she suggests that she could uh, sew something and uh, Edmund says, um, I hardly think Brother Joseph will be dazzled by some slow-moving wool. Slow-moving wool, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, apparently they say Arabelle was fluent in harpsichord, tuba, flute and drum, and she could also sketch and paint, and she was a keen marksman and show jumper. And I think Dorothy says something later on as well. Oh yeah, about Crowcase. She says, uh, "Oh yeah, it was if she'd grown the mallet from her wrist." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're in her. They go to Arabelle's room, mm -hmm. or Dorothy finds Helen in yeah. at late at night and thinks that she's trying to take do some. Yeah, there. yeah, saying this room's mine, and it's not. It's just that Helen sort of happened to walk into it. I think. It's, yeah, it's, I think it was an accident. She's just having a little look around. Yeah, and <laughs> Dorothy goes through Arabelle's wardrobe and takes bits of clothing out and sort of presents them and smelling them and stuff. Yeah, well. it's so creepy. Um <laughs> she she says she she takes out like but she she sort of points and says like this housed her breasts. Oh, it was like a corset or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um her nipple dents still there. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, she starts sniffing the bed as well. Yeah. And <laughs> says something like, oh, you can still smell her end place. Uh, yeah, and she's sort of dancing around the room like she's in some sort of trance. And then, yeah, this thing happens with Helene where Dorothy makes it look like Helene wants to change her room around, even though she doesn't want to at all. Yeah, uh, She says that she's being tossed from moment to moment like a pancake on a boat. <laughs> I love that phrase. Yeah, that's a good one. Because that's obviously a mix-up of like... You know, well, tossed like a pancake, or like, or like a boat on the on, a, on the sea, a raging sea, or something. Yeah. <laughs> like a pancake on a boat. Yeah, or if you're trying to toss a pancake on a boat, it'd probably tossed around quite a lot. That's true. That is very true. And yeah. then, oh, Doctor Fogarty, uh, she bumps into him in the woods in this episode, and he's sort of on his horse and talking about how he, he on Tuesdays he gathers bluebells for the <laughs> sick and the needy and checks the woods for injured wildlife. Yeah. That's very sort of like period drama, heartthrob. Yeah, it's like when someone says now like, oh, I, you know, I volunteer and work for an orphanage on my weekend. The blind orphans <laughs> in Africa, whatever it is that people say. Yeah. It's like that, isn't it? Like, I'm some perfect mm. man. Yeah. She, she's loving it though. She's very impressed. Yeah. yeah. And then he helps her with her painting as well and... Very, oh, it's like ghost or something. Yeah, it? it's a very silly j joke where 
it works very well where it's a really primitive picture that like a two-year-old could have done <laughs> and then he just sort of paints over it and he looks away as well while he's painting like mm. as if it's not even any bother and then it's absolutely like a work of art by the time he's finished with it mm. and then obviously it, get, it gets defaced later by Dorothy I assume yeah we assume that I mean they don't say but yeah. it obviously is her must be well, they just a, a unve- big penis on it. Yeah, they unveil it. It's been graffitied on in a really <laughs> ridiculous way that it doesn't seem like it suits the time yeah. at all. It's just so silly. Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, a kid in a in an exam or something. Yeah, so I think disgusting food seems to be a bit of a running yeah. theme, like in Hunderby and in a, quite a lot of her other shows as well. In this dinner party, they're eating battered lamb's faces yeah. uh, and brother joseph says that he's enjoying the stubborn crunch oh. uh, <laughs> i had a look at a few interviews to see if she's like talked about this before because it comes up in a few different shows where well it's smashed prawns in a milky basket mm. and camp in camping they have a stargazy pie with little fish heads coming out of the <laughs> yeah crust. that's a real thing though that's yeah. a real thing in cornwall yeah it sounds disgusting though. yeah yeah no yeah absolutely yeah. and uh there was an interview where she talked about this she says she thinks it's quite rooted in her childhood she says uh, i have a lot of memories of going for dinners at people's houses or having dinners that were kind of stews with fat in them and being brought yeah. up to be very polite whereas i feel children nowadays are much more able to say i don't like this i was not brought up like that uh, and she says she view, she views food food sometimes as a, a slight monster and there was a, a separate interview as well where she's talking about how she went to quite a strict uh, Church of England school where there were women who would watch over you when you ate your food. And she says, I remember my brother was actually sick around the edge of his plate, but he still had to eat the remaining food. <gasps> so as soon as I read that, I was like, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make There's yeah. a lot of meat in, in Hunderby. It's always mm. duck or pork or... Yeah, lamb. yeah, lamb's face, battered lamb's face, yeah. or ham, mm. honeyed ham. I think at one point don't they have something, some sort of roast, but it's stuffed with loads of different birds or something like that. Yes, he requests and, it, doesn't he? It's yeah. a celebration. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at this party, we get the uh, the song uh, "Diddle Diddle Dumpling, My Son John," which always sticks in my head after I watched it for some reason. Yeah, uh, Dorothy's playing an instrument called the crumb horn, which I assumed was made up, but apparently it's real. Oh, is it real? <laughs> yeah, according. Oh, wow. Yeah, Wikipedia says it's a musical instrument of the woodwind family and. In modern times, there has been a revival of interest in early music and crumb horns are being played again, oh presum- presumably by like hipsters or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or, uh, that scene is absolutely hilarious. So they sort of, they've got Brother Joseph around and they're doing all these things. Yeah. To, yeah, this is her entertainment. And yeah, Alex McQueen, sorry, Edmund's doing his diddle diddle dumpling. <laughs> Dorothy's playing the crumb horn. <laughs> And halfway through, Brother Joseph sort of gets up and goes, oh, it reminds me of some kind of Fijian dance. Because <laughs> yeah. he's like living in Fiji at the dance, moment. Yeah. yeah, and he gets up, Alexander Armstrong gets up and does the most bizarre thing and then asks uh, Helen <laughs> to join in. Oh, and it's just a bizarre moment. Like if you sort of stand back for two seconds and realise the bizarreness of it, like just the, just the, um, 
just ridiculousness. It's yeah. the funniest thing and you can properly lose yourself over it. It's really yeah. funny. I think Helene is having a similar experience because she doesn't want to be there at all. She's yeah. like, what is happening? Before we go on to the next one, any, have you got anything else for episode two at all? Any lines or anything? Yeah, there's a bit where Mr. Fo- um, Mr. Fogarty, Dr. Fogarty says... Um, He's trying to be all nice and bright and, you know, oh, Mr. Sun is uh, shining yeah. <laughs> today, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he says something about Mr. Spring mm-hmm. arriving. Mr. Spring seems to be arriving. And Alexandra Roach, I'm oh, sorry, I can always name them by no, their that's fine. names. Um, yeah, sorry, Helen. She always, yeah, she's sort of, I think she's, um, she's startled by something. Yeah. yeah. And she's sort of not in the mood and she's clearly going to run off. And he's like, you do not like Mr. Spring. <laughs> That was the thing that she defended him on. I think that's adorable. Yeah, he looks genuinely concerned. Yeah, you you do not like Mr. Spring. Oh, it's heartbroken. I think in that sort of win in the willows. Yeah, I think in that video of Timothy Dalton, he might have he says something about like the steely sky or something, Mm. and that seems to come up a lot later on. I think he mentions like brother son or something, something to do with like his windy wish and yeah, yeah. (laughs) He like he likes talking about the weather in a really strange way yeah yeah and then it's quite sweet how um uh helen sort of plays on that with him later on and goes yeah, yeah. i asked yeah i asked yeah. brother wind to come yeah. with my windy wish or something <laughs> ridiculous so it's quite sweet episode three uh this is where we find out that helen is actually uh someone called elizabeth whiffin and at the end of this episode edmund's mother dies in uh, peculiar circumstances what do you have for this one as highlights so it's matilde isn't it the mum mm-hmm. the mother of edmund and she i can't remember where i've seen that actress before but she comes up in a few different things mm. and has some um really funny moments as well but she the things that really get me about her is there'll be total silence and then she'll just say something like i hate you yeah <laughs> Don't go near me. Or why are you here? Uh, just really cutting horrible things as if, you know, and they ignore it completely. Yeah, as just if, carry on. Yeah, and I, I assume that they just think, oh, you know, it's like she's got dementia or something mm. and they're just ignoring her. But I genuinely think she's just like, I hate you. Yeah. it's um, Maybe because she's old, she thinks, oh, I can just say whatever I want. Yeah, I can get I away with it. God, I'd love to get away with that. <laughs> In, uh, yeah, this is the episode where she she gets left outside in the rain, and it's that is so cool. <laughs> that must be from a book. I don't I don't know mm. what it would be, but that must be in Dorothy something. being manipulative again and saying, "Oh, but Helen was looking after her." Yeah. Uh, oh, and they get the dog, don't they? Susan? They do. Yeah, she bumps into Fogarty in the woods, and he he says, uh, "Forgive me if I do not doff my cap. My fingers are thick with placenta," because <laughs> he's helping this uh, dog to give birth, and then Helen adopts the mother dog and then at the end of the episode Edmund is trying to sort of kill the dog which I, I always find really disturbing mm. and then luckily Jeff comes in and saves her and then we get a bit of a call back to episode one because Dorothy accuses Jeff of trying to eat the dog <laughs> yeah yeah because he's he's sort of giving mouth to mouth to the dog yeah. isn't he and and they said he's, he's Just, trying to bite him yeah and she says something as well about him like being from Africa and he he has to correct her so she that he's from Bristol. Yeah, yeah. He's got a um, um. He's been given. I think there's a scene where um. He's got a board to write. Yeah, he was given like mute, a little chalkboard, yeah. and he he's writing down what he thinks on it. And yeah, yeah they say he's from Africa, and he goes, um. But actually, mum, he says he's from Bristol. <laughs> 
Edmund's got quite a few really good moments in this one. There's there's a conversation where Helen tells Matilda, oh, oh, I'm sure we'll give you an heir soon. And he says, Gad's woman, surely you would not scramble for intercourse here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, outside with his yeah. mum saying Just because she's talking about that they might have a baby one day, yeah. he thinks that's very shameful. Yeah, but that means suddenly she's saying, let's let's have sex right now. Yeah, and he, he also... He also uh, describes dogs as a god's lowest creature, a beast whose member pops forth from his belly like a pole of sticky ham. (laughs) (laughs) Ham? What is it with ham? She's very obsessed with ham. Yeah, he's he's not a fan of dogs. No, but he does let her keep it. Yeah, after he tries to kill it. Yeah, she's (laughs) just sort of just ignores it. And then it's got a cute little... uh, splint on its leg later on as well yeah Mm. it all goes a bit mad in this episode because dorothy gives this dose of medicine to matilda that's far too much and so she kind of like attacks edmund and tries to breastfeed him and then they end up rolling her off the bed and she ends up breaking her neck and dying yeah um so then we get this scene where dr fogarty comes in and says well this is most peculiar that she should be found here in bed with a broken neck and they don't really have an answer for it they yeah one of them i think edmund or dorothy says that maybe her lungs burst it off and there's no what? reason for why she might have broken her neck but i i don't that so yeah sorry this is like a discussion point <laughs> more than anything else that i'm just like inter- interested in when the doctor originally says, oh, she's not very well because she's been left out in the rain and they give her this, yeah, this treatment. I can't remember what they call it, but it's like a, it's like a, like a, um, like an ointment kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, he likes giving out salves and yeah, stuff. All, yeah. Yeah. All kinds of odd little, yeah, mystical things. And yeah, they say you can only give her like a thimble full, mm-hmm. otherwise it's too much and it'll most certainly kill her or mm-hmm. something ridiculous. And they all, they they give her some though, but I didn't get the impression that they gave her too much. So mm. I came into that scene thinking when she gets she gets Edmund to like breastfeed and everything, I really just thought that that was her being a bit nuts and that's just yeah. their weird relationship. But is it that, is it that they have taken too um, much? Because I, I didn't know if that was ever made clear. That's how I interpreted it, but I'm not sure. I can't remember now. That might have been... Mm. Yeah, I'm but not that sure. might make sense though, because otherwise, why would they specify it. how much you had to have of that thing? Yeah, so. I, I think I just assumed they'd given her too much, and so she went a bit loopy. But mm. I don't That's know. So horrible that bit. Yeah, because <laughs> he sort of weirdly kind of is all right about it, and it's very that's quite a little Britain that bit. Yeah, he likes his uh, yeah his bubbly milk. Bubbly milk. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yes, and they're trying to hide it. They're trying to hide that they've broken her neck. Yeah, so that's episode three. Then in the fourth one, uh, obviously Matilde has died now and she's stipulated in her will that Edmund and Helene need to have a child within a year, otherwise they'll lose the house and lose all their money. So then we have all these attempts to get Helene pregnant because it's quite Mm. an urgent thing. We get a lot more of, you know, tis not in. (laughs) Yeah. There's, they try healing ring at the church as well, don't they? Where yeah. they're all sort of gathered around Helen, trying to like make her have a baby. Yeah, sort of charms and um, mm. chanting of like. Yeah, but th- yeah, she comes up with. There's a few of those actually where 
She's written all these amazing little sort of bizarre kind of folk chants yeah. where, that are just ridiculous and silly, but they mm. rhyme and, and they're brilliant. Like there's another one later on. Where she's giving when she's birth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're it's trying to get her to have a baby too. I've written early. it down, so I'll, I'll sing it to you. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I might not sing it. I'll, I'll say <laughs> the words, but yeah, there's one when she's giving birth. Yeah. So... Edmund also goes to, for some reason, he decides to go to Brother Joseph for advice in getting Helen pregnant. And <laughs> Brother Joseph says, uh, with Ruth, I oft times place a pillow gently over her face and conjure up a more stimulating scene. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> so that as a result of that, he tries out this biblical scenario where obviously Helen is dressed as a man and wearing yeah. a false beard like in Life of Brian or something. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you have for this episode? Um, so this is the, um, so I, I suppose this is also, this is the episode where you sort of get more hints at the fact that Edmund is very clearly homosexual. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. He by that Jeff. And, yeah, he, yeah. So he's clearly getting close to Jeff and yeah, he asks his wife to dress up as a man <laughs> and then try and have sex with her. But this is that amazing scene with the sort of gynecological exam yeah. <laughs> between Dr. Fogarty and um, Helen. And yeah, he he's talking about the. She's worried about his her her womb not being right, or mm -hmm. or like you know maybe she's not able to have children and all this kind of stuff, and yeah. saying maybe maybe it's not you know kind of those normal <laughs> insecurities that maybe someone would have, but in a very ramped up mm -hmm. way. And he's like, no, it's your your womb is so strong and big and <laughs> and, and springy to the touch. Oh, it's just <laughs> crazy. Yeah, Somehow no. that's a romantic scene. Yeah, and he's got all his all the you see all the tools he's got lined mm. up as well. It's quite oh yeah, and I'll use disturbing. my hands instead of using that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of framed as like a romantic scene as well. They're sort of bonding <laughs> with each other while this is happening. How is that a romantic scene? Yeah. I mean, and another <laughs> one of my favorite moments in this episode, I think, is when uh, obviously Helen has. It's not pregnant. She's had a period. And so they're mm. all just eating breakfast or something. And Dorothy marches in carrying this bed sheet with blood on it. Yeah. As if to be like, she's just got a really straight face and Edmund's just eating his breakfast. Yeah. Uh, and she, uh, yeah, what she says is a... Uh, Satan's jam hath once again burst her bristled button. <laughs> <laughs> Satan's jam. Satan's jam. And then uh, Edmund says... He doesn't understand it, does he? No. And he says something later on as well. Um, Helen says something about, oh, I'm sure my womb is fine. And he says, well, why does it weep? Month on month, it's vicious red tears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. going to say that next time I have a bad day at work. Yeah, this episode, <laughs> Satan's jam. This episode is quite sort of medical. And yes, a lot it of is. that sort of gynecological episode. Mm, yeah. Um, also, in this episode, Dorothy has she's taken the liberty of uh, furnishing a nursery. Oh yeah, uh, it's just a completely empty room with this wooden cot with spikes on it. Yeah, which is like the chokey from Matilda. Or yeah, something. It is. I mean, it's not. It's just that kind of vibe, you know. Yeah, and she says as well to Edmund. Uh, Baby should sleep in silence for 14 hours straight through. If he can be heard crying, tis because Satan's clambered into his cot and he's best left to fight it out. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is the episode where we find out that Fogarty is actually married to Hester. Because um, yes. we've seen them before, but not together. So it's a bit of a... I remember being quite surprised at the time because mm. I just sort of assumed he was a 
bachelor or something. Yeah. Um, and then him and Helene at the end have a bit of a bonding moment and he confesses to her that it was actually him who crippled Hester yeah. uh, because he was drunk and ran over her in his horse. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's also a nice line as well where Helen is crying and he says, uh, let me stem these salty tiv- salty rivers from thine eyes, <laughs> which I feel could be in a real period drama. Yeah, maybe. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the next one there, they're still having no luck uh, having a baby. So mm. they make plans to go to Fiji. Uh, meanwhile, Helen starts having an affair with Dr. Fogarty. Um, Finally. Yeah. <laughs> We're halfway in. <laughs> yeah. What have you got for this one then? So this is where kind of creepy stuff starts because the, the thing about their affair is that there are parts of it that can, that feel really normal mm-hmm. and then there are parts of it that are classic Julia Davis. Yeah. Like the first time they're going <laughs> to... He invites them round for dinner. He yeah. invites Edmund and Helen round for dinner as like a, you know, good luck when you're going to mm-hmm. Fiji type thing. Clearly, and at this point they've already kissed, so like yeah. they clearly like each other and all this kind of stuff. And they invite they invite them round for dinner and um Hester makes this like pig's Honey head. Hog, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's but it's like a whole head mm-hmm. of a pig. And she uh, and then they make excuses and to go off and like do something to, mm-hmm. for the dog, like looking after the dog's leg yeah. or something. And they go in the other room and they're going to kiss. And then I don't know why, but they like lick their finger yeah. or something. And he's like holding a finger <laughs> off as if to be like, oh, we couldn't possibly do this. And then she like licks it, but then he licks it. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is that? It's yeah. Odd. And he then later like- on, there's a bit with like where she's like, they're sort of going. <sighs> And sucking the air and then yeah, blowing yeah. the air—it's just like kind of. <laughs> oh, it's just, and that's when it becomes more sort of um, fantastical rather yeah. than just like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is like a normal love story. You know, yeah. this is like Green Wing or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just um, yeah, I, I like <laughs> it's just that, very odd. Yeah, I like that scene where they're having dinner and uh, Hester like leaves the room and I think so does Edmund and then. Fogarty sort of turns to Helen and he says, uh, "I shall, I shall boil over my britches if I cannot have thee." <laughs> uh, and then he, when he's carving the pig's head in a really yeah. sort of, I don't know, like, aggressively yeah, sexual way, while staring at Helen, how in front can, of his wife? Uh, yeah, how can you, how can you carve a roast mm. <laughs> in an aggressively sexual way? How do you make that? Like, it, I don't know, Skill. but apparently he managed it. Yes, yeah. very, very much so. Um, yeah, and then they're having sex clearly very loudly next door. Yeah, and they think it's the the dog barking or something. Well, they don't, they don't say anything. They just carry on as normal, and then yeah, and then the noise stops, and she goes, "Oh, Susan must be better." <laughs> you just feel so bad for her. Yeah, she's really sweet. I do. I know she has a bit of a turn later on, but at this point, we've just seen her being really sweet. And at one point. Yeah, she gives him this uh, hog to carve and she says, oh, the snout is very crisp, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and they're at this freak show later as well in this episode. And she comes by the freak show to see him and ends up getting locked up because they think she's a freak. And yeah. she says like, oh, I just came to bring you a parsnip broth. Yes. Um, yeah, you feel really always, sorry for her. She's always trying to do something. I mean, it's kind of annoyingly needy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but. You know, there's absolutely a part of you that is just like, oh, you don't know any. Yeah. You don't have a a clue what's going on, really. Or you sort of do, but. Yeah, at this point, you do feel sorry for it. Like they're just sort of going at it on this like cart of hay. (laughs) 
And then she's At like, the freak show. yeah, she's screaming like, help Graham, help me. And he just sort of lets go of Helen and she just slides down yeah. the thing. What Do you have anything else for this episode? Yeah, well, so this is where we get to see a bit more of the amazing Kevin Eldon. Oh, right, yeah. As John Whiffin, who's the um, hunchback who it's previously sort of been um, pointed out that that yeah. he 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 raped her at some point. They were married, and he he raped her. Is that right? Yeah. And then yeah, she yeah. had a she had a child. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Kevin Eldon is known for playing kind of. He's so good at that. Just um, absolute maniacal. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, he's just insane, isn't he? He's like a sort of beast man. Yeah, sort of like like grunting around. Yeah, and, and actually, I'd say that's pretty. Ta- it was pretty tame for him. I'd say mm. like he's done much weirder than that, and I was expecting a bit something a bit yeah. more nuts. But yeah, because yeah, in Nighty Night, he's very normal, isn't he? It's... Which is really it feels so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that episode of Inside Number Nine. You know, the karaoke episode mm. where. Reese Shearsmith is just playing a normal guy. Yeah, he works in the off in an office, and I just found that really strange. I yeah, was like, it's like there's got to be something creepy about yeah, him. Surely yeah. he's just playing a normal guy, and he's having an affair with someone. Yeah, yeah I was expecting more. Oh, so there, are, yeah, the freak show. There's there's a half man, half pony. There's a, a, t- a tent which... Um, the man with penis hands. Yeah, Arnold penis hands apparently. <laughs> um, like Edward Scissorhands or something. Mm. And then there's a tent which uh, Joseph and Edmund are quite interested in, which says uh, muscled men and hairy dwarves. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the tent where Kevin Eldon is, is a <laughs> curious lumpen folk. Yeah, and you can touch his lucky hump. Mm. Yeah. There's um, a bit more of Jeff in this episode as well, because uh, obviously they've decided they're going to Fiji and when Edmund is announcing it to the congregation, he says, oh, we're going to be joined, well, me and my wife are going to be joined by our most loyal servant. And you can tell Dorothy thinks it's her. And he just says, Jeff. Jeff. And she, I think she like throws an apple at Jeff. Or yeah, something. hits She's him so on the head, annoyed. yeah. Uh, and then they're also, they're playing blind man's buff with each other at some point. And Jeff looks quite like he's having a good time. They seem Yeah, to, Jeff's loving it. They seem to get on quite well. It's Considering a, like, I mean, obviously it was... The time was probably far more racist. I mean, I know mm. it's I know it's not real. It's mm, not meant to mm. be real, but obviously there's parts of it that are set in reality. But yeah, he's um he seems well up for it all. Mm. Well, and clearly he is because later on they actually do. Yeah, they seem they, to sort they of have sex in the yeah, church. Or something, yeah, he doesn't they, yeah. sort of pressure him into it. it seems like they sort. Well, of, it doesn't seem that way. I know they have a bit of a. But you connection. never know. So yeah, you know, I suppose justice for Jeff. So <laughs> so uh, should we go on to the next one? Yes. Episode six. This is yeah. where uh, Hester actually finds out about the affair. So she tells Helen that she is dying in yeah. the hope that Helen will call it off. Uh, and meanwhile. John Whiffin comes to the house looking for his wife. Mm-hmm. This is the bit where we open with Helen and Fogarty in the woods. Uh, he's sort of in between two trees wearing a really flouncy oh, shirt yeah. and no trousers. He's not wearing any trousers. <laughs> and he just looks at her and goes, I am like a man demented. Because <laughs> he's gone so like mad with love. Yeah, that's um, definitely one of those kind of... Literary things, isn't yeah, it? Where they go. That's a good I cannot imagine my life without you. Kind of. <laughs> no, that's good. What What else have you got for this one? Um, so 
this is the episode where I think, isn't it where they, they force her to touch his hump? Yeah. <laughs> and that, that scene is very odd. It makes you feel incredibly uncomfortable, which yeah, I suppose now, is quite um, gone. So. Yeah, I was going to say, now he's uh, blind, isn't he? So mm-hmm. he she immediately assumes he's going to recognise her, but he doesn't because he's blind, but he can kind of think can sniff her or something. Yeah, he recognises her voice and then he smells her and she smells like warm rain or something like mm. that. And um, yeah, there's a very uncomfortable part, which I suppose is probably quite... Julia Davis is probably quite famous for writing really uncomfortable stuff, <laughs> but actually I would say in a, in a way that is different from, say, Alan Partridge or The Office is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it's somehow weirdly, yeah. you're like morbidly interested in it and yeah. you, you so, don't want to switch it off mm. in a way. Yeah, there's a lot of people just saying things that are really awful to each other. Yeah. That, uh, you know, even in real life, if someone hated someone else, I don't feel like they would say things that were that awful to no. their face. No, that's so uh, horrible. Whereas, yeah, in things like The Office, it's more like how people are socially awkward in real life. Mm. How they yeah, it's be. not cringy, She is sort it? of takes it to the extreme, really. Yeah. Um, she's mentioned in interviews before that she quite likes reality TV. Mm. And I think that might be a bit of a link because it's kind of people behaving in a really awful way yeah maybe more so than like other comedy yeah and sort of being allowed to behave in that way yeah for some reason so also in the opening scene when they're in the woods he he takes a a clipping from her uh pubic hair (laughs) and then then we see him pressing it into a book at home and this is where (laughs) (laughs) he's a fucking nutcase isn't he like he appears as this really amazing dashing man at the beginning and within a few episodes you just go what is what's wrong with you yeah that is like like psychopath behavior Mm, yeah and then she she's upset because she's changed her hair and he hasn't noticed and he he says like oh no of course you've um you've Grayened it. Yes, you made it grayer. Yeah, <laughs> not what you want to hear. Oh, bless her. Um, Heartbreaking. He also he kind of thinks that she's accusing him of having an affair, and he says to her, "You have co- conjured up some feathered notion that I am eaten up with lust for another and wake each hour with sticky britches." <laughs> <laughs> she says, "No, yeah, <laughs> that's not at all what I meant." No, and then she sort of catches them a little bit there they're in the town and they're standing very close to each other in a quite a romantic way Mm. so Hester kind of catches them and thinks starts to think oh maybe there's something going on here he she's delivering him some muffins obviously because she's sweet (laughs) and he just really sadly bites into one of the muffins doesn't he eat it like really intensely yeah like 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 with carving the pig yeah yeah what is it with food but doesn't Helene says something like there was something there was a problem at the back of my back of my throat and then Um, she goes off to say oh oh, I must go I need to prepare for Fiji I need to get together some hammocks and biscuits or something like that classic Fiji luggage Mm. And then obviously Hester now, she overhears them actually in the church where they're planning to sort of run away together because Helen obviously doesn't want to go off to Fiji. Mm. Hester hears them and this is when she decides to tell Helen that she is apparently dying. And there's a good bit where Helen sort of, I don't know, I can't remember if she's hugging her or she's lifting her up or something. And Hester goes, my lungs like moose. Like moose, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she hugs her, yeah. Because she finds her falling over in the the graveyard, yeah. yeah. Like Musa, oh, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Helen kind of makes a difficult choice to 
tell Dr. Fogarty that she doesn't love him anymore. Mm. And this seems quite dramatic. It's kind of, you feel quite invested in their relationship. Yeah. And you do feel quite sorry for him because he does look really wounded when mm. she basically says, I don't love you anymore. Yeah. Um, and you feel, you feel bad for her. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Because they're in the, I was just re- reminding myself of a bit just before that mm-hmm. scene, actually, if I may go back a bit, they're talking about running away together. Yeah. And I don't know why this is even funny, but they talk about packing a small bag. Yeah, it comes up a few times. Why yeah. is that so funny? It just is. Yeah. And, then when, the when they meet, and then when they meet up later, he says, like, oh, I've got my small bag. I've got my small bag. <laughs> I carry it with me. Yeah. He's, he's repaired. <laughs> <laughs> why would you take a small bag? Just take a large bag. It's fine. Yeah. And when yeah. She, she breaks it to him that, they have to call things off. And he says, you will not take my kisses nor ride again my weeping sword. Oh, <laughs> weeping oh, sword. There's a lot of really disgusting references to his manhood in that, yeah. in that series. Yeah, he says, literally, I think a few seconds before that, he says something about my fleshy pen. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel bad for him at this point. He looks really upset. And then obviously he starts drinking. Um, yes. we've heard before he's got a problem with that another nice little moment with Jeff in this episode is that well not really nice for Jeff it's uh, Edmund is painting a picture of him <laughs> that's, like, that's like the Titanic isn't and, it yeah and Jeff is just completely naked and then we see that the picture is just of his face yeah. so there's no need for him to be naked at all no just yeah casual the end of that episode is we find out that Helen is actually pregnant or well John Whiffin tells her that he can sort of smell he can smell the pregnant. baby yeah like a cat or something mm-hmm. you know like how isn't it like cats can smell like cancer or something so like I that. think there was something in the news a few weeks ago where there was a, a woman claiming that she could smell I think it was Alzheimer's and wow she, I mean that's handy if you she can was do on that. Um, like this morning or something a few weeks oh, ago God, okay. uh, but yeah I think dogs have been yeah like you can get a diabetic awareness dogs where Mm. if you're diabetic they can somehow smell that your blood sugar's low i mean this is superhero powers isn't it like that's what we're going into isn't it yeah i don't think my cat i want me some of anything like that i think it's mainly dogs who can smell that sort of thing oh okay well Um, good for cats anything else (laughs) i know yeah anything else in that one yes so um i was going to talk about fogarty in that episode just because i think that's the first time for me personally, and this is probably, I probably should have not liked him sooner, but I'm terrible and he's very charming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry everyone, but he is very charming. Yeah. When they're sort of breaking, not breaking up, but you know, he, she's saying, I don't, I don't love you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He literally just talks about his penis for ages. And that was <laughs> the first time where I was like, oh, it's just sex for you, isn't it, Fogarty? <laughs> I knew it. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he drinks a lot and stuff like that. And I really sort of started to go off him after that. Mm. <laughs> I just noticed a shift in my emotional, my emotional feelings. He let yeah. me down. He really let me down. Yeah, he's a lot more charming early on. He sort of gets yeah. overwhelmed by lust, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes a bit he goes a bit mad. Yeah, so, absolutely. Sorry, that wasn't a line. I was just no, I just wanted no, to point out point, yeah, his, how I his, felt. Yeah. <laughs> so episode seven, they they now know that Helen is pregnant, so they have a bit of a party. And at this party, Edmund ends up getting quite intimate with Jeff and Dorothy accidentally kills John Whiffin. Uh, and then while this is going on, Hester is trying to sort of win back her husband by seducing him. Mm-hmm. I really like the way Edmund 
breaks the news of Helen's pregnancy to all the people in the house, he says, We all believed my wife's womb to be no more than a useless dungeon, but I should not have doubted my seed, capable of climbing diligently these past months up Helen's fatted thighs. <laughs> Again, just she, she's not fat at all. <laughs> no, she's not. No, and he's... um. Yeah, he doesn't. I think there's a conversation, isn't there, where they say, "Can you, after you've had sex, can you get pregnant?" Yeah. And they were like, "Oh, you know, it can a few months. Yeah, it yeah. can like stay around there for six months." Or yeah, <laughs> I think in the same conversation, they're talking about how because she's got pregnant so late, the baby won't actually be born within a year. Within so, the time. which kind of goes against what it says in the will. Biddy says, "Oh well, a baby's fully cooked at six months," and they kind of agree that they're going to induce labour and prize the child from its sack yeah. uh, if it comes to it <laughs> yeah and and they're getting yeah Dorothy and Biddy talking about like sort of um scheming all of that mm-hmm. kind of I don't know why Biddy's got like why would she care about helping out I don't know what's her motive yeah, I don't know <laughs> but yeah just fun just fun to sort of make people yeah when be in pain I yeah suppose. like later on when they are inducing the labor she's mm-hmm. brought a load of her own tools from home so she yeah. seems to have an interest in it's like butcher knives and things like that yeah, yeah. it's creepy yes we'll take also, the, take the we, rip the baby from its yeah. sack we meet a new character in this episode uh captain finger <laughs> captain finger <laughs> uh oh gosh yeah this is disturbing that was so disturbing <laughs> no comment on that. yeah, yeah. that's it <laughs> you can go look at that for yourselves guys yeah there's all this stuff going on with hester and fogarty she he's clearly blind drunk oh she like dresses up because she's like why don't we make love and she's got a new dress and she's also had her tongue scraped Uh, (laughs) and she opens her mouth and it's still really black yeah i don't know what it was like before and fogarty isn't really up for it and he says something about how her legs are two withered pipes linked by a wiry gray bridge (laughs) Um, he's not interested at all the Jeff's storyline kind of reaches a bit of a climax here because he's uh sleeps with Edmund in the church mm. and then all of the townspeople come in and discover them together. They've fallen asleep on the floor. Yeah. And someone, I can't remember if it's Dorothy or Biddy, says that they must have stumbled and hit their heads so all their clothes fell off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they immediately blame it on Jeff. Yeah, they think it's like witchcraft or yes. what is Dorothy kind of leading all of this saying like oh it's voodoo yeah she calls him a licorice lucifer that's it yeah Uh, what a horrible term i know saying he's put some sort of trance or curse on edmund and biddy says that she's seen him flying about at night as well Mm. then they bring in this boy who is saying oh you know a man molested me last night and Mm. points at brother joseph but they Dorothy grabs his oh, hand yeah, and points his hand, to yeah. Jeff, and everyone keeps saying, oh, "Jeff, how could you?" <laughs> I, can we just point out the genius of putting that name randomly in the I middle know, of all of this? Make any sense? A noble blackamoor, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> and then the moment after this is quite emotional. He's kneeling on the floor, and he's sort of obviously he can't speak. Mm. He's sort of begging for his life, and. So I think Dorothy starts saying, you know, he should be hanging him. Yeah. And then it's really brutal. They just suddenly cut to him just hanging. And I think when I watched this for the first time, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is really horrible. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, because now we know he does actually live. Yeah. 
But at the first time I was like, oh no, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Unlike yeah. Julia Davis, because she usually goes for the sort of darkest thing possible, mm. really. It's quite nice that he lives in the end. And yeah, Fogg- oh, yeah. Fogarty, Fogarty gets him down and tells him, uh, uh, get away from this godforsaken thicket of pigs and never come back. Yes, thicket of pigs. So the finale is when time's up, basically. So Helene is forced to give birth Mm. Um, we see at the beginning that, so I assume some time has passed now if she's giving birth, must be a few months, uh, but we see that Edmund is still missing Jeff. He's got a sort of fake Jeff in bed with him. Well, as, oh yeah, gosh, he's put the, yeah, so he's put the painting in. uh, (laughs) On uh, some clothes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And a bit like, you know, what you might do if you were trying to hide Mm. the fact that to your parents that you'd like run out of your house when you were young or something. Mm. Yeah, and he really misses him. But then Brother Joseph, who is at the church when he finds out about Jeff. Yeah, And then yeah. he goes back to Fiji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he makes sends, a quick getaway. Yeah, and then he sends back this young boy. He's another weird name. He's called Ned. Ned, yes. <laughs> so I suppose that means that Brother Joseph sort of, I mean, I don't know, it's probably some kind of reference to clergy and mm. and young men and things like that yeah um, i yeah in one of the interviews i saw about hunderby julia davis mentions that her her uncle i think and her grandfather are both uh vicars mm. uh, so she said oh you know that's something that i've always it's always been in my life and mm. so there i think there is a little bit of a link here maybe she wants to sort of rail against it in mm. some way maybe yeah um and then we get to well, they're preparing for the baby to be born and Biddy's yeah. got this bonnet that's massive and Dorothy says, well, no one wants to look at a newborn except perhaps the mother, the mother yeah. and often she'd rather eat it. <laughs> I don't uh, know why she even says that. And she's also knitted the baby a riding suit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> will, he, will he be riding at, at this young? Well, hopefully, yes. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. All being well, he will. All being well, that's it, uh, yeah. Sarah, yeah. I can't even do the... I think she must have, when they wrote this, they must have had to have really thought about, because mm. yeah, yeah, me saying it now in like modern speak is all very different to what they're saying it. Yeah, so. it's definitely, the language sounds like they have really taken it seriously. Like obviously it's not historically accurate, but when you hear it, it feels yeah, but like it's it funny could as be. hell, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And like with something like Blackadder or like Upstart Crow, it's much more kind of yieldy, like playing it for laughs. Yeah. Whereas this feels like it's a sort of authentic language, I yeah, think. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I think she said in an interview before as well that because Alex McQueen had just done the thick of it, he kind of thought that Hunderby, that might be a similar thing where he could improvise a bit. And apparently on the first day they were like, no, you have to read it as you it's been written because yeah. we've slaved over this. Oh, bless. <laughs> yeah. So then we have... Uh, yeah, the labour is induced. Um, there's lots of horrible tools, like there's, there's an anus funnel. Um, <laughs> oh, and they have to clean it. Yeah. So can I borrow yeah. yours? Yes, and there's a, a needle it. and thread. And as they're leaving the kitchen with this basket of tools, Dorothy sort of grabs a cleaver from the kitchen yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And she also makes a comment that... Edmund is sort of asking what's going to happen and Dorothy says, well, sometimes when a woman tears, it does not stop at the belly and splits oh. right up to the face until she breaks into like a ladybird. <laughs> Just like a ladybird. Think about that. A ladybird? Like, what? 
Yeah. I mean, it's so, yeah. And then Edmund, yeah, Edmund's obviously not involved in any of this, but, and he comes in at one point because he, he, he wants his dinner mm-hmm. and Helen's just there foaming at the mouth and yeah. he, he does sort of notice, to be fair, and Dorothy just tells him, well, as the womb explodes, yes. it, it, send, <laughs> it sends forth a, a juice that washes the entire length of a woman's insides and cleans her teeth. But there's definitely things like that, isn't there, going well, like, well, you don't understand it, so I'm just going to make something up about how yeah, women just, work. Yeah, you just oh, accept hilarious. it. Yeah. But they're also, they're upstairs, aren't they? They go right up to the sort yeah, of attic-y bit. Yeah, yeah. And she says, I'd rather stay in my own room because I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be giving birth for another three months. Mm. And and um, Edmund says, no, because then you'll disturb me <laughs> with all your noises. Yeah, he can't, he can't be bothered with any of it. No. Uh, they also tie her to this table as well. And they say that the binding will prevent her from punching the baby in the face when he first comes out. <laughs> Uh, I don't I don't plan to (laughs) yeah I love this episode it's a great episode (laughs) oh and here's the the little song yes um bring it (laughs) I'm just gonna say they say it's a now the time has come for Bab to burst your sack and doff his cap and they start singing like babby babby oh yeah babby babby burst your sack (laughs) horror Um, and then at the same time as this, Dr. Fogarty, he's kind of, does he think that, yeah, he thinks that Helen has actually gone to Fiji, doesn't he? Because mm-hmm. Hester sort of says to him like, oh, she was too fat to travel. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> and yes. then he's like, oh, well, I'll go around there now. And she says, no, she's too fat to receive visitors. <laughs> yes, too fat to receive visitors. Yeah. But then someone runs in and says, you're having, he's, she's having your baby. Yeah. Who's that? Uh, Annie, Annie. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. It's uh, yeah, Rebecca Staten oh, yeah. runs in. Um, there's quite a lot of different accents in Hunderby, like because mm. she's Welsh, and then Biddy's Welsh as well, and then Dorothy is Northern, I think. Yeah, and then quite a few Southerners. Yeah, it's not not really clear Rebecca where Staten's Hunderby Northern could be. Well. It's a mixture, really. Yeah, but yeah, they <clears throat> he reaches a point with Hester where he does kind of give in, and he says. Oh, forgive me. You know, let's start again. Yeah. He picks her up, I think, and then Annie runs in and goes, "Helen's having your baby, sir." And he just drops Hester yeah. on the ground, really unceremoniously, just completely Bless. drops her. Do you want to try describe all the twists that happen? Right. So, <laughs> I think it's probably around episode four or five we find out that uh, Fogarty has a, a mole mm. on his sort of chest. Which I think you find out because um, Helen's saying she's embarrassed about her mole when he points it out and he goes, no, 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 I've got a similar thing. And they sort of bond over that. And so he rushes up to this uh, this top floor where where she's giving birth and Dorothy comes out and says... Like, I, I won't allow you to go in there. And she puts the key down her top <laughs> and says, like, you know, come and get it, basically. And um, and he accidentally tears, he must, like, tear her, her shirt or, yeah. you know, sort of um, bodice or something mm-hmm. and sees that she has the same mole as mm-hmm. him. And it's quite like a big, interesting, weird shape mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's not even just, like, a chance thing. And they sort of do the... <gasps> Yeah. What? What is this? <laughs> and then it's not until they go 
so he gets the key and then they go in and then, you know, he goes, why are you, you know, what else going on? Mm. And then why do they start talking about it? I can't even remember. But we, basically you find out that Dorothy at one point had had sex with Edmund mm-hmm. and that she was pregnant. Yeah, she says that he sort of, he raped her. He really, forced himself on But it was yeah. his mum gave him some sort of aphrodisiac. So it was kind of the mum instigated it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. There's quite a lot of really dark stuff in it, but they yeah. say it really lightly, as if it's really normal. It's like yeah, all this like racism and rape and horrible stuff is like yeah. Because I think she actually says, um, "I had a child," and Fogarty says, "You were raped," and she goes, "Yes." How, how did you how know? How did you know? Yes. <laughs> uh, and then he sort of goes, "Well, you know, <laughs> there's quite a few you, references, which is a horrible thing to say." Really, yeah, there's but quite it, a few references in this to as if. Dorothy is really unattractive, but mm. she's Julia Davis, so she's not at all. No, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Same with Helen, I suppose. They keep making comments about her. She reminds me physically in that episode, in, in that series, sorry, of um, Mrs. Tweedy from Chicken Run. Oh, you yeah. You know, that kind yeah. of like... The bun on her yeah, head the, and all Yeah, that. the kind yeah. of pulled back ha- hair and this... I don't know what it is about <laughs> that kind of um, austere... Mm. Um, yeah, like you don't mess with her kind of Mm. thing. So after this thing about, oh, she had a child once and we kind of realised that it's Dr. Fogarty because she mentions the family that the child got adopted to and that was his family. Yeah. And then at first Helen thinks that she's his twin sister. Yes, because he, so yeah, Dorothy had had twins, a Mm. boy and a girl, and the boy was sent to this I can't remember the family name now, but he says, yeah, oh, that like, was my grandmother on yeah, the other side. Like Digby Chase or something. Digby Chase, yeah. that's it, yeah. And the girl was sent to some really horrible orphanage mm-hmm. and Helen says, oh, it wasn't wherever it was. And um, I go, yes. And you sort of think, oh my God, no, this <laughs> is horrible. There's so much incest. There's already quite a lot of incest. Yeah. But yeah, she says, no, it's definitely not you because she had... had a- a tail. Had a tail, <laughs> yeah. Reason. Where did they, that, does that get mentioned earlier on? I don't think no, it does, does that it? comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah. Oh, but my wife has a tail, yeah. says, says Fogarty. So we think, oh no, incest. Oh no, wait, it's fine. Oh no, wait, incest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. they're still incest because they're, yeah, they're married. And they, yeah, turns well, out they're kind of and sister. them uh, sort of sort things out quite nicely though because it means that Fogarty and Hester their marriage is sort of null and void, so he's free to be with yes. Helen then. And yeah, it allows them a get out. And also what else happens is that Arabelle falls through the roof and sort of... In an amazing scene. Yeah, sort of incapacitates Edmund. So then at the end, he's a bit of a, uh, you know, vegetable, mm. which is happy ending, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they, what do they say about Arabelle? That she's, she's been living off boiled eggs. And, yeah, she's uh, only eating <laughs> eggs and... Oh, it's, yeah. And she was locked in there because she couldn't have children. Yes, yeah, she couldn't give him an heir. And, but then you wonder whether all of that stuff about her is would have been actually true. Yeah, I'm not sure if... But like, then Edmund Dor- didn't know that she was upstairs, did she? He thought, no, he thought, he thought she, she was she dead. Um, yeah, it was only Dorothy knew and hid all that stuff and yeah. said it's the moth. I think maybe Dorothy was just saying those things to sort of make Helen feel bad, maybe. Yeah, but he joins in with it. That's true. Edmund does. Maybe she so was. Maybe she was. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> not brilliant enough to avoid being locked in the attic. No. no so I just wanted a, an heir, really. No. 
you know, you, you cut to this like really beautiful final scene of um, Fogarty and um, Helen sort of happy together finally, like in the grounds of Hunderby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so Hester said, mm-hmm. Hester comes along yeah, yeah. and you can tell that it's kind of okay. Which is yeah. nice because you felt so bad for her before. Yeah, I like, didn't guess because they're brother and sister. That's probably the only thing that would have made her yeah. give up, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was, yeah. They were clever to think of something like that mm. <laughs> rather than just sort of putting up with it and feeling bad for having an affair. But yeah, it's um, okay. Mm-hmm. So you kind of feel like as a, as a viewer that you're allowed to feel the way you yeah, do sure. and you're happy for them and it's mm. okay. And there's because all the way through, you've had all this other stuff about well, I shouldn't feel happy about this because mm. of this and conflicting emotions and all that. So it's nice. It's nice that it ends so And well. Dorothy is with Ned as well in her room. Uh, yeah. And gives a little look to camera at the end. Yeah, it does a bit of fourth wall. Yeah. Which is odd because she's like entirely not in any way a sexual being throughout the no. whole thing. Apart from like very odd moments maybe, but... Um, Ned must have brought something out in it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I also, just in a general thing, I just wanted to talk about Rebecca Staten in that because yeah. she she's doing a very small part, but she's doing it so well. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what it is about um, you know, it's you know, it could be a very one-dimensional character mm-hmm. of just being like, yeah, I just go off and have sex with this <laughs> other guy all the time. Um, but for some reason she makes it really funny and I don't know how, but um she's also very kind like she yeah she says that uh, helen's very beautiful on her wedding yeah day. she's sort of helen's only sort of friend really isn't she yeah she's, she's the only one who's really nice to her in any way and is the smart one because mm-hmm. she she knows from the beginning that it's Bob's kid yeah and they, they take jeff in as well don't they yeah they've got him in a cupboard in the kitchen at one point <laughs> and she says oh can't we keep him he's got a lovely smile he's got a lovely <laughs> smile yeah bless exactly. her <laughs> yeah, so I, I just yeah I wanted to mention her because yeah, I think she no, she's so, ace and she's good in a in home as well. She's very good. She's so good in home. Yeah, really good. The thing I find about Hunderby is that there are lines that you could so easily miss that you yeah. when you go back and watch it again, you you just about catch them because it's quite you know it's quite dark and quiet and earthy mm-hmm. and a bit mumbly and there's a lot of stuff that you could just completely miss. Yeah, definitely. But I love comedies like that because it's like it's a bit like Wallace and Gromit or something. Mm. You can go back and find new bits in it. Yeah, same with all of her comedies, really. Like mm. there's so many little moments and lines that yeah, you can easily miss the first time, and then you go back and you're surprised by them. Yeah, yeah, they're not treated as big. Hey, look at this joke that I'm really mm. proud of writing. Yeah, which you know that's what we'd all do because mm. we'd be like, look, I wrote this thing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and very she's detailed. So understated. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, she's great. So, um, where can people find you on social media? Social media. I'm <laughs> on Twitter at Livy27, L-I-V-I-27. Um, I think, uh, and I've got a website, which is laughingmatter.co. Not do- .co.uk. <laughs> I was I don't waiting know why. for you to finish that. It's, yeah, it's .co for some reason. Anyway, okay, and so it. you always seem to have lots going on. What do you want to plug? Ooh, um, I have a... Uh, sort of a web series pilot thing that I'd love people to watch if they're interested it's called Tall Dark Friend Um, it's on YouTube you just type Tall Dark Friend an award recently didn't it it? did yeah (laughs) we've yeah crazy I can't believe we won that but (laughs) it has been lovely and wonderful and we're very lucky Um, yes so um, yeah do go check that out Mm because that's really 
crazy, silly thing that I did with a comedian friend of mine called Jordan Gray, who's brilliant. She's going to go places, so mm-hmm. watch out for her. Um, I've also, I've got a podcast called mm-hmm. The 18% Podcast, which is, um, I produce that with um, a comedian called Tom Mayhew, who is a working class comedian, and it's all about get, uh, working class artists in creative industries, and we talk to them about um, what, what has helped them or what's made it harder with the fact that their background is working class and mm-hmm. the arts is such a closed off industry at the moment. Um, yeah, it's really good fun. You can get that in all the usual places. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket. You can find us on Twitter at Julia Davis QOTD and you can find me at It's Sophie Davis. This podcast was edited by Alex Bondek with original music by Martin Ford and Matt Bond. Next time, I'll be joined by Ruby Martin to talk about Dear Joan and Jerrica. 